Welcome to Living a Full Life Podcast. Join us as we explore health topics that encourage raising healthy children, living a healthy life, and living the best life possible. Now, here's your host. Welcome to another episode of Living a Full Life. I'm Dr. Enrico Dolcicori, and I'll be your host today. Today's topic, disciplining our children. This one's a tough one, and uh, stay on board for this. And here's a disclaimer to this podcast. As a young parent myself, uh, with young kids, I am no professional when it comes to this. However, I work alongside of a lot of professionals and healthcare workers that I have learned a lot and feel confident enough to do a podcast on this and guide you in the right direction when it comes to parenting your children. And I'm sure you're doing a great job already, but here are some things to reinforce both your mental health when it comes to disciplining kids and what the best ways are from mental health research. I mean, that we know as generations have been raised, both from you know the 1920s, the 1950s, the 1970s, the 1990s, the 2020s, we have research showing what is right from wrong and what's the best ways of disciplining our children. So this is more uh, of, of the what happens when things don't go right, when uh, kids don't listen, when they misbehave or when they run into trouble. How do we properly discipline them in a healthy way as parents? Uh, it's not about... Um, choices or how they get to those decisions. This topic is when we have to be confronted with the point of disciplining our children. What do we do? The number one thing, there's going to be a point about eight points of today's podcast, and we'll go through them methodically. There's no rush to this one. Positive discipline is where you focus on teaching children right from wrong. That That's really where it all comes from. It's your job as a teacher to teach them the right from wrong. That's what they're learning, especially in the early years. And we're talking four and up. Before four, everything is so habitual. Everything is so reactive. A two-year-old will just do things because they don't even know what's right from wrong. They're still trying to figure out how to do it. Does my fist close all the way? Does this that sharp object hurt? You know, They're just learning the world around them. So we have to be patient with that. But four and up is where we're starting to learn right from wrong. Uh, and only saying stop or don't isn't the best way of doing this. So we're teaching them this and helping them develop self-control. It does not involve punishment. That's that's why this whole thing is talked about positive discipline. We're going to call it positive discipline because when we think about discipline, we think about maybe the way we've been disciplined in the past with things we liked, the things we didn't like. And we also have opinions on how we've been disciplined in the past growing up from our parents. I have European parents born in the 50s. My dad was born in 1945, but in, in the post-World War II, right, from Europe. A little bit different, a little bit more strict, never physical, never, ever, ever physical, but very, very strict, very emotional discipline. Now, I can look back at sometimes and be like, okay, I can see why they did it like that. Maybe it was a good thing. And I and, and what I've learned now, maybe things, some things are can hurt for the rest of your life. So when we talk about positive discipline, um, it does not involve punishment. That's the difference. Uh, some discipline, we think about punishments, which can be harmful to child's mental health, especially in the tender years. This is like from four to nine, right about there. At, at about 10 and up, kids don't have the excuse of not knowing what's right from wrong from the things that they already know, like hitting their sibling 
or stealing their toys or, or doing their, these things or taking your phone or, you know, breaking something in the house. These are things that they've probably learned the hard way that are, that are wrong. And the next thing about positive discipline is to be consistent with it. Children need to be consistent with their discipline. They need to know that if this happens, if I do this, this is what the, the disciplinary action is for that. They need to know what to expect when they misbehave. And it has to be consistent. You can't just let it go sometimes and then not do it other times or be disciplinary sometimes and let that behavior go other times. Every time they do it, it has to be the same discipline. And positive discipline, an example of that could be, you know, uh, when they when their emotions run wild or they do hit a sibling or they do throw something is to get down at their level, kneel down eye to eye, hold their hand and say, hey, look at me. I What do we t- talk about happens when we throw things? And just try and positively reinforce the behaviors that you're trying to teach them that throwing things could end up hurting someone or themselves. It's all about safety. That's why we don't throw things. It's just one example. If you are inconsistent with your discipline, then you just create more confusion and the child's more likely to misbehave. So consistency is key with this. Just stick with it and parents should always um, put their heads together and be on the same page when it comes to this. These are one of those things that's, it's a tag team, uh, WrestleMania tag team behavior as parents. You got to tag team. If you're a solo parent, then you're just sticking to the highway. You're in that one lane highway and there is no turns. Uh, you just got to be fair when it comes to this. And, and discipline should always be fair and reasonable. Children should understand why they're being disciplined and the consequences should be proportioned for their misbehavior. So it's not always the same consequence that happens for depending on what the behavior is. Maybe they, they threw a shoe um, across the room. Uh, it's very different than um, throwing a sharp object or or using profanity or, you know, you may have different levels of discipline as far or consequences, as far as the re whatever the consequences should be to the misbehavior that happened. So you may have different levels of that, but you always stick to that. So the most, the more serious it is and always leave something, um, as far as consequences in your back pocket for the next thing that could be more severe. So if, uh, the, the, the consequence was that's it, you're losing your, your, your tablet for the rest of the day um, or, or the week or whatever, maybe, I don't know what, where you're at with that, but you take that away from them. They're not allowed to use it. You stick with it. You don't just give it to them, you know, three hours later, you stick with it. But if something worse happens, you know, what's the consequence to that? Do you up the one day to one week? Do they lose that for a whole month? And where does the effect come in after so much, uh, you know, a six-year-old losing their tablet for a day is a big thing. Losing it for an entire week could be tough on you losing it for a month. I don't think they, there's really that, that consequence that, that adds up after about seven days or maybe after a few days, once they've lost it, they probably forgot about it. They probably turned to something else, but for a 10 year old, that could be a big thing. So remember to keep everything fair and discipline should always be respectful. It should be always be done in a respectful way. Yelling and shaming are usually the two biggest blemishes that are left when it comes to mental health. Um, and never use physical punishment. Uh, the literature continues to show that physical punishment has no more benefit than than the communication um, punishments that happen or taking away um, access to to something that they enjoy doing. And we got to be careful with that too. I mean, if they love to color and draw and sketch, taking away their art supplies is probably not a very good consequence either. So, but the point of that is physical punishment 
has been shown over and over in the literature to not be the best way to to con as a consequence for most kids. So picking them up and helping them go to their room, you know, after a discussion, I do this with my, with my four-year-old and my seven-year-old every now and then, uh, they're like, no, no. And they, as you're trying to talk to them, no, or, or they scream over you and they try to overpower you. These are just their coping mechanisms to the consequences that are coming. They know this, but it's always at a level of, you know, eye to eye telling them, Hey, do you understand what went wrong? And most of the time they don't even want to admit it or they don't communicate or they play the silent game or they just grumble the whole time say hey can we are we going to do this or, or are we not do you need help because i can help you go to your room i mean we said go to your room time out for five minutes cool down and then you're you're allowed to come back down because dinner is almost ready and if they don't if they're doing the whole grumpy thing I'm, i say can i help you of course they're not going to respond they're just going to they're going to just give me a grunt and then i ask them one more time and then it's like okay i'm going to now help you so they know exactly what's coming. It's done respectively. And yes, they're going to get picked up over my shoulder and I'm walking them right up the room to their room, putting them in there gently, and then just closing the door. Uh, they'll kick and they'll scream. I've been kicked in the stomach. I've been, you know, it happens, but you're the parent. Um, and it's not a combative thing that's happening. You're going to win if you get into combat with your kids. I don't know. My nine-year-old, I think she could, she could beat me up now. So uh, maybe not. But anyways. So, and then when it comes to discipline, and then, guys, this is a tough topic. If you're a parent listening, you know, hopefully it's just spirit, uh, spinning some gears in your mind for you to just think and, and calm down. Maybe it's coming. You know what I'm getting a lot with these podcasts is people are like, I listen to that and they'll send me a message. They'll find me on Facebook or they'll email me and they'll say, I listened to your podcast yesterday, one that I did maybe three months ago. And they'll say, it came at a perfect time. I'm dealing with this right now. And I'm like, well, that's probably why you clicked on it and listened to it. But anyways, it, this is encouraging as a podcaster to make sure that this information is useful. So every time I get feedback is where we build up on this. So thanks for the feedback. Appreciate it. Helps keep the podcast going, really. Um, set clear expectations. Let your children know what behaviors are expected from them. They need to know where to go. So it's one thing to discipline them, but also what behaviors are expected you know, um, sitting down and being ready for dinner time and not bringing the tablet to the table, not bringing your toys to the table, turning off the TV. If you were watching something, make sure you turn that off. We're going to sit here as a family. We're going to eat like having those set behaviors set there, making sure that when, it, when we wake up in the morning, when the alarm goes off, it's time to wake up. There is no, when we come and get you and say, it's wake up time, it's wake up time. Try your hardest to just roll out of bed. You can be tired. You can be groggy. You can be grumpy. But make sure when we say wake up, you're throwing the blanket off and making an effort to get up. Be specific and consistent with your expectations. That's the, Those are two examples, dinner time and wake up. If you have young kids, you're probably sympathizing with me on this. Those are the things. And as your kids get older, it's almost impossible to wake them up. What is up with that? Uh, provide positive reinforcement. Praise your children when they behave well. This comes with like, I'm really proud of you for putting in the effort this morning and getting out. Thanks. We are now on time to get to school. It's great. I don't have to go 90 miles an hour down the highway to get you here to school on time. I really appreciate that. Really minimizes our risk of potential car accident. Appreciate you doing that. Whatever it is, it has to be positive reinforcement. Thank you guys. I say thank you to my kids a lot. And there's times where I'm like, am I, am I overthinking them? And then I've been told by many professionals that no, that's one of the best things you can do as a parent is just thanking them and telling them that their behavior is actually good is reinforcing that, which is really great. It comes naturally to me. So I feel like uh, saying thank you is an, is an easy thing for me. 
try it yourself too. This will help them learn what behaviors are acceptable. Uh, use natural consequences. Allow your children to experience the natural consequences of their actions. If a child refuses to eat their dinner, they may actually go hungry afterwards. That's that's a natural consequence of not eating your dinner. Like, I don't want the veggies. I don't want the chicken. Well, that's what we made today, and we're definitely not making a second dinner for you. You know, um, and then saying that's it. It's bedtime in twenty minutes. You're allowed to go look in the fridge and see what vegetables and fruits we have uh, accessible that you can get. Because I'm not chopping you anything up. And uh, try it because you're you're gonna be you're gonna be hungry. And sometimes letting them do that and learn the natural consequences of that is fine. I mean, when it comes to self harm, though, I wouldn't allow that. Like, hey, I told you not to touch that uh, that, that uh, stove; it's still hot. Um, and then telling them, well, go ahead, touch it, learn it. I mean, that that's probably a bad guidance for your ch children. Don't no physical harm. But when it comes to like feeling hungry. Or if they they won't go to bed at night and be like, you're going to be really tired tomorrow morning if you don't go to sleep now. And they just put up a fight saying, I'm leaving. You go to sleep when you can. No screen time. See what happens tomorrow. And then it's a struggle for everybody the next morning. But then they're super tired. And then you make it very consistent to get ready for school. And they're grumpy all the way to school. And they have a rough day. And then when you pick them up, you're like, how was today? You're like, I was tired. I'm like, yeah, why were you tired? And then you, it's a learning experience for them. Why were you tired? Those are called natural consequences that happen when you don't do something. If you don't, um, as parents and as adults, you've learned the natural consequences. What happens when you get into the bourbon around Christmas time? Why do you feel the next morning? Not good, right? Well, good. Offer choices. Give your children choices when it comes to discipline. Give them choices whenever possible. This will help them feel more in control and make better decisions. It just does. Sometimes, you know, our anger, our emotions get in the way as parents as well. And you don't want to give them any options. <laughs> you want to throw them in a jail cell and throw away the key. I get it. But it's sometimes just giving those options puts the dynamic of power back into your hands as a parent and gives them the option. So now they're like, okay, A or B. I screwed up. I got to choose A or B. And, and it kind of is almost like a negotiation. It's a, a mediation to disciplinary action, which is great, gives them some power and a very authoritative dynamic that we have as parents because we're in control, we're we're protecting them, it's our sole duty to make sure that they're healthy, and it becomes an authoritarian way of like it's our way or the highway. Sometimes giving them options deflects that and it makes it more of a hey, okay, well now I've got some options. I I either go to my room for ten minutes and cool down, or I can go sit outside with the dog and kind of chill out in the backyard. You know, give them some options when it comes to their downtime. Offer choices. Timeouts. Timeouts can be an effective way to help children calm down and reflect on the behavior. That age group from four to, to nine that we're talking about right there, timeouts actually do still work. They can reflect on their behavior. Getting a two or three-year-old to go sit in the corner for two minutes is, is a feat. Um, however, teaching that discipline early on, you can do that as early as as one or two, I mean, you could start doing timeouts and timeouts may start out for a one-year-old. Hey, you got to sit there for one minute. They may learn uh, the dynamics of time of sitting there in a corner doing nothing uh, for 60 seconds could be an eternity for a two-year-old, right? However, it's important to use timeouts in a positive way. Uh, try not to use them as punishment. So that's keeping them involved in what you're doing. If you're cooking dinner for the night, you know, you're not putting them in a secluded room. Uh, they get to sit in the corner. Uh, hey, timeout you know, your, your behavior is not good right now. Come over here. And it doesn't always have to be a bad thing. Maybe it's come here, help me chop up the cucumber. You give them a butter knife. They try and chop up the cucumber. 
the cucumbers are not going to look as nice as you typically do them, but they're going to be chunky. That's fine. But tonight we're eating chunky cucumber. That's fine. That's all right. But now they're involved in it. It's not really a punishment. It gets them away and distracted from whatever it was, the behavior that they were in that was negative, and it puts them into a positive behavior. So that's good too. So if you're concerned about, you know, your child's mental health, talk to your doctors or your therapists about this. Uh, if, they're, if, if you're doing all these things and you're trying your best, seeking help is probably the best way to help navigate discipline and your child's needs. It also gets your child assessed, you know, make sure that they are functioning at a high level, making sure that they're functioning optimally. Um, these are things that we do in our office. You say, well, as chiropractors, how are you doing that? We're making sure their nervous system is regulated properly and functioning not properly so that their normal Primal functions are normal, their appetite, their sleep. And usually when you have a, a normal rotation of function and sleep is good and 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 the day is good, then the behavior starts to change in a positive way. In no way, shape, or form do we ever step in as the mental health counselors uh, there. That's not our dynamic. It's not what we do as chiropractors. But we definitely have our network that we guide parents to all the time. As a parent, it's your job to stay calm. It's important to stay calm when you're disciplining a child, a.k.a gets tough. I understand. And there are times when you're going to get angry. Um, and anger is a, is a quick emotion of protection, raising your voice, whatever it is, is, is a sense of protection. If they're stepping onto, into the road for traffic, you're not going to sit there. Oh, oh, sweetheart, gently, you know, gently, and then walk gently towards them. You're screaming at the top of your lung, lung stop, and you're running in their direction, right? Um, that's the protective mechanism. And in those moments, that is perfectly natural. Don't worry about it. It happens. It sets an alert for the child um, and shows them it's negative, but it's what we do afterwards in that moment. So being angry, pulling them aside, you coming down, getting down on one knee, looking at them, hey, do you, do you know what happened there? Do you know why I got a little upset or why I shouted? Sorry, I scared you. But what, what do you think could have happened that was bad that scared me? Your child will know because you've taught them many times to look both ways and not, get on, not step onto the road. Always listen to your child. Give your child a chance to explain their behavior before you discipline them. Just explain what's happening. And the consequences can still follow through. This will just help you understand why they misbehaved and choose the best disciplinary response. Sometimes your children want to give you feedback immediately. I'm sorry I did that, mommy. I was thinking this. And you're like, oh, you didn't even cross your mind that that was what was going through their mind. You thought they were just being retaliate, retaliative. Uh, or sometimes you don't know the full story. <laughs> that happens. I have three girls, and they're close in age. And somebody screams, and you automatically default to the middle child. You're like, yeah, she's doing this. And you go up there, and you default to that. And sometimes it's not her fault. And I feel bad because I just after you know seven years, you're like, yeah, it was probably her. And you go up there, and it you know it wasn't. And I always now I always give her a chance to defend herself. And it's pretty straightforward now. We have such a good relationship that. She won't be able to tell me much or she'll just start laughing. That is just admission of guilt immediately. I figured it out. We got this. And she can't really escape it because she starts laughing. But if she's like, no, wait, I, you know, and I, now I really listen to her because we used to just cut her off and she will explain the entire situation. Usually sided in her favor, but at least we get both sides. And then you learn something. She took my stuff and she kicked me and she did this. And then I ended up locking her in her room. And then that's when you heard the screaming dad. I'm like, oh, there's a lot of things that led up to that. Okay, let me talk to your younger sister and see what's going on there. So that's what happens there. So, and avoid labels. Don't label your children as bad, disobedient, uh, horrible, difficult. Uh, this can damage their self esteem. I'm a huge advocate in the medical field about this, encouraging 
medical doctors, nurse practitioners, chiropractors, therapists, pediatricians to not label kids with whatever diagnosis that they have, whether it's autism, ADHD, behavioral issues, um, giving them the textbook definition of what's happening ingrains this into their self-esteem. They don't need to know this. So in our office, whenever we confirm something or agree with a diagnosis, the child's helped. Uh, you usually set them off with mom or dad, and then we just keep mom or dad, the other parent back for a second. Like, hey, can I talk to you, Stacey? I, I actually agree with what you came in. I think there is a component of ADHD for sure. The behavioral component obviously is, is correlated. Uh, however, this is workable if we do these things together and you do these things at home. I really think you can see some improvement over the next little while. But let's not use ADHD in there. Let's not give them the power or the the, the crippling effect of that diagnosis. And I just teach them, you know, labeling them just makes things worse. And the statistics show this. Kids with AD, labeled with ADHD before the age of seven have a higher use of substance abuse, a higher use of mood disorders, and a very high, 50% of them have a anxiety disorder with this. And it's related to maybe having that crutch of the diagnosis going through school. So these things are important too. Uh, and then focus on the behavior, not the child, right? Focus on what they've done so it can become a teaching moment, specific behavior that they misbehaved, not the child themselves. Just you know, saying, you're bad, don't tell them that saying hitting your sister is not okay. That's, that's more of a conscious thing that you can do as a parent. It's like nothing. They're not bad. They're not doing, you know, they're not doing bad things. It's just that hitting others is not okay. So it's a, it's a teaching moment and, and show love and support. You're, let your child know that you love and support them through the thick and the thin, through the good and the bad. You are always there for them and that you're the rock in their life. So that is a lot, but discipline is a huge thing when it comes to parenting and there's always a lot of questions around. And like I said, I'm not the go-to expert when it comes to uh, what to do, but definitely this podcast was to show you, you know, what to probably avoid and what to focus on as a parent so that you can be the best advocate for your kids. And your, your goal as a parent is not to be their best friend. It's to be the best person in their life. So when they look back, you are the role model that they remember for the rest of their life that they go to. My goal as a parent is that when my 30-year-old child, if I'm still around, my 30-year-old child texts me first, calls me first or second on their list um, for advice, for what to do next, for emotional support, whatever it may be, that's my goal as a parent is to be there not as a friend but as the trustworthy source of their in their life that will always be there. And isn't that the definition of what we are as family is uh, there's nobody else like family. It's just somebody that the people around you that support you in the utmost ways. And that's our job as parents too. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Join us next week, just like every week and stay well, stay healthy. If you ever need anything, reach out to us. We're here for you. Make sure you like, share, comment, share this podcast with others. We're actually growing at a very fast pace. It's been slow growth. And now as we hit this one-year mark, it has just taken off. Our, our, our listeners per week has quadrupled. It's just like very quickly. So the, it's spreading quick and it's great. It means the content that we're putting out is actually useful. Uh, if you have any feedback, good or bad, we would love to hear it. Send it our way. Have a wonderful week. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Living a Full Life Podcast. 
If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. That helps others find the show, and we greatly appreciate it. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode.